When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Soccer Show and the final week of the January transfer window. At the time of recording, 297 deals have been agreed this winter with Europe's top five leagues to the tune of over $658 million. But who else might go in the next few days? Who needs to get more reinforcements? Just how much of Todd Bowley's money can Chelsea spend on Chelsea's attacking midfield death chart? And which players will shun Everton next? All this and more will be tackled <laughs> On this show, my name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who's currently posing with his shirt off. He's got his thumbs up. He's got some wires attached to his chest. He's a medical marvel. Taylor Rockwell, hello. <laughs> I did not know where we were going for a moment there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, in solidarity with players having to do medicals, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of reflect that. And then in solidarity with players doing medicals at Everton, I wanted to do that and then immediately go record elsewhere. No players are doing medicals at Everton. I don't <laughs> no. get that far. So 297 deals in January, 280 of them involving Chelsea? <laughs> and that's correct. It is, it is an astonishing proportion, I believe. Actually, if you want the number, Tater, uh, of all Premier League tra- winter transfers, Chelsea account for 38% of them. <laughs> that's, is, that, that's, wait, is that money? Like the money spent, you mean? £184 million, which is 38% of Premier League deals this winter. Okay, then. All right, yeah. Todd Bowley. Keep spending that money, buddy. Keep spending <laughs> right. that money. Should he work. Get, he's got to get to 50% or he's just not trying. That's what I think. More wingers. Indeed. Uh, joining us, Taylor, a man who's frantically working the fax machine while trying to work out what a fax machine is. Joe Lowry, do you know what a fax machine is? I do know what a fax machine is, but I, I'm hopeful that we've moved past the Barcelona era of bureau. What was that? A bureau fax? Bureau fax? What was that thing called? Where nobody actually knew what that thing in particular was. Um, I do most of my transfer business over WhatsApp like the rest of the world. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a modern man. What's that? What other kind of faxes are there? Do you guys not remember that whole Barcelona thing? I do, yeah. Yeah. It was messy something with a bureau fax and nobody knew what it was and it was a whole thing. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Good stuff. Rounding out our pack and uh, feeling this awkward (laughs) silence. A man, you just heard his voice. He's a man who loves a good deal, especially when it's a deal on a pie. Graham Rutherford, you (laughs) like pies. Hello. I do, indeed, like pies. Hi, Ryan Bailey. I've not had a football pie for three weeks because Stone Albion are still waiting for their first game of 2023. But tonight, I will have haggis, which... It's not a pie, but I think it's mm. a, a, a Scottish delicacy. I will have my haggis, neeps and tatties uh, tonight because it is Robbie Burns Day. So happy Ro- Robbie Burns Day to you, Ryan. Happy not one Robbie word Burns. of that. Not no. one word of that made sense to me. Yeah, we but... sleek at cowering timorous beastie. Oh, what a panic in thy breeze You can continue the words, Taylor. I know you know the rest of the poem, no? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I do. I like the idea of Graham saying I haven't had a a meat pie in weeks 
pausing and then concluding that with because my doctor told me to please stop eating meat pies entirely for my meals. Yeah, yeah wait, haggis okay though. You know, yeah, wait till you find out what's inside haggis. Well, nobody knows. It's been thousands of years in Scotland and still nobody knows. Wonderful. Wonderful is it stuff. is it is it sheep stomach? Is that what it is? It's vaguely from a sheep, yes. There's That's, there's parts of sheep in there, but maybe other animals too. Yeah. I learned the hard way that in Turkey, if you're eating like like lamb donair, that's the one that's like vertically on a spit. Oh yeah, but oh, I'm familiar. Sideways on a spit, that's called kokarech, and that is uh, intestines wrapped around a spit and then roasted. Mm. So mm. yeah, I, I feel like like haggis wouldn't be so bad compared to uh, lamb intestine. I just had saw the look on Graham's face when uh, Taylor asked him if he was familiar with a doner kebab, which I assume he has at least one a day. <laughs> yes, that is a weekly occurrence. <laughs> if you take down the, the, the blanket fort behind Graham, there's just a doner kebab rotating. <laughs> he has that yeah, in one, the house. One in each room. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, happy Robert Burns night uh, to you, Graham, and to all of our Scottish uh, listeners and sundry. Um, yeah. The TLDR Taylor is, he was a poet, and now people are forced to eat haggis once a year because of that. Fair enough. All yeah. right. That's the way to celebrate, I guess. And you've got to address the haggis as well before you cut it. There's a poem, address the haggis. I don't actually know that one. Sounds like it. a cult. You, is it a cult? That has to be a joke. I can't tell what parts of this are serious and what parts aren't, but <laughs> saying reciting a poem to what you're about to eat before you eat it does not sound like a real thing. Yeah, address the haggis is a real thing. It's uh yeah, if, if you give me enough time to Google that, I'll give you a rendition at the end of the show. Please Wonderful. do. All right, well, you've got about an hour or so to get working on that, Graham. In the meantime, let's talk about transfers and the latest in the transfer window. Um, one story we should get to non-player related, though, Taylor. Everton Football Club, mm-hmm. which we heard um, on Tuesday, is apparently up for sale. Now, you know how in like the markets you should buy low and sell high? Uh-huh. Should you sell your club when it's in the relegation zone and you spent more on players than you want to sell it for? Oh, and you don't have a manager? Uh, yeah, mm. Everton really just just the the model of how to run a club successfully. Sack your manager, even though you knew you were going to sack him for weeks, but don't have anybody ready to go. Put your club up for sale with the official announcement of, we're willing to sell a min- minority stake or a majority stake. I don't know what to make of that one. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> whatever you want, just come and take whatever you want. <laughs> it really does feel like he's just like put like a for sale sign around the stadium and like, well, that should do it. <laughs> like, I, it's, 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 it's shocking. It sounds like he basically wants... Uh, Farhad Moshiri wants uh, offers around 500 million, I think, to start, and that would be for the minority stake, and then increasing from there. But you you can understand why they're doing this. I mean, the timing is pretty poor. Given that, I think they announced it on the day that Bielsa basically turned them down. Then Juma uh, t- turns them down, goes to uh, Spurs instead. But their stadium construction costs are increasingly expensive. Last three available sets of accounts show combined losses of uh, like over 370 million pounds. And then they don't have uh, Uspanov's money anymore because of the Russia invasion of Ukraine. So they, they sort of need this cash infusion. They don't have the money there that they once did. And so I think uh, this is Mashiri saying, I'm happy to keep running the club if people want to run it with me. Otherwise, I'm happy to sell it, but I will need some money. I just don't think any of that is a particularly good look if you are looking to sell high. Who wouldn't want to buy that? You've, you've, you've really sold it, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I'll say, I, I've been thinking about this. If you are a, a Middle East oil state, a way to go about establishing how successfully you can operate things would be to buy Everton, 
because they are very much in the shadow of Liverpool these days. Uh, you and then like you make them into a, a team that overtakes Liverpool one day, and then uh, maybe maybe there is a little bit of sports washing there that works out for the best because yeah. then everybody thinks, oh, if they're running them well, what could be the problem? So this is me advocating for an oil state to buy Everton. I, I get why it's funny because obviously that five hundred million pound asking price is less than Everton have spent on players under Farhad Mashiri, and yeah. they are a madhouse at the moment. But it's a very similar model to Newcastle, who were an absolute madhouse before the Saudis bought them. And so you could argue if a club is at a low as as low an ebb at that, if anyone comes in with any degree of competency, all of a sudden you have thousands of fans backing you, and that is the purpose of sports washing. So actually, if yep. Everton are looking at those sort of uh, those sort of potential new owners, then actually maybe this is the the, the right time to sell. Is it strange, like to you all, that we we talk about the Premier League as being this dominant league with all the money, and we get questions about like, are we sure the Premier League is going to be sustainable for long term? Is it odd that three like fairly prominent clubs are up for sale at the moment, and yeah. they haven't really gotten any bidders so far? Maybe that will change, but it feels strange to me how many of them are currently for sale in a league where they have all the money. It does mm. feel like the Premier League is kind of at an inflection point because obviously you've had the Chelsea sale recently. Mm-hmm. Spurs, I think, are looking for minority investment they've been talking to to the Qataris and then you have Liverpool Everton and Manchester United and it sort of feels like <laughs> the rich is or the rich are no longer enough they're no longer rich enough to own Premier League clubs and now it's the super rich that need to come in and and, and buy these clubs so it does kind of feel like the Premier League is moving into a, a new phase of wealth it's almost as if interest rates are suddenly really high in the last year or so and it's no longer viable to run a Premier League club when you can't offset everything on your loans it's crazy really isn't it Imagine that. Almost like that, yeah. Imagine, imagine. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about players, shall we? And speaking of someone who's not taking out many... Boy, maybe he's, he's taking out some ex- exorbitant loans. Todd Bowley and Chelsea. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, Joe, is on the cards, yeah. or may or may not be on the cards for uh, for Chelsea. Need another midfielder, I guess, in this window? Is that what the logic is here? No, it seems that way. Uh, this was a fun little circus that we got not too long ago at the beginning of the transfer window with... Enzo Fernandez having a very good World Cup with Argentina, then coming back to Benfica and Benfica saying, well, people can have him if they pay our 106 million release clause and Chelsea not wanting to do that. And, and Roger Schmidt complaining about how Chelsea were driving Enzo Fernandez crazy because they kept like, you know, coming in and distracting him from his play in Benfica. So it's been, it's been a bit of a, of a cycle so far. And now apparently Chelsea are back in. Todd Bowley wants to continue to add to Graham Potter's squad during this January transfer window. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull off this deal for Enzo Fernandez. There's other targets in here as well. Moises Caicedo from Brighton is one that keeps being linked to Chelsea. Do that deal. Do that deal yeah. instead. And th- this is the best part. And I think we've kind of talked about this before with Chelsea, but this is the best part. Brighton have reportedly set a $100 million asking price for Moises Caicedo, <laughs> which I'm certain they would not have had to pay Chelsea if they had been a little less public or a little less interested in Enzo Fernandez at the beginning of the window because now everybody knows that Todd Bowley is willing to spend whatever you want him to spend. So I really do think Chelsea could use a central midfielder. I think Enzo Fernandez or Moises Caicedo would improve this squad. I think Fernandez is pretty clearly the better player. At least that's that's my view. I, I'm not totally sold on Caicedo being a difference maker for an elite Champions League club, but Chelsea really aren't that right now. So maybe they maybe they can't afford to go a step down. I, I'm not sure what Chelsea should do here. I don't know if they're going to be able to make the Champions League spots. If they spend $106 million on Enzo Fernandez and miss the Champions League, I have to imagine that does a lot of bad things to their books. So maybe it would be prudent just to wait till the summer. 
But either way, it doesn't seem like Todd Bowley is very inclined to wait (laughs) right now. That's not a word in his in his vocabulary, Todd Bowley. I, Joe, I kind of disagree on Caicedo. I, I, he's he's the player that I would go for. I, I don't know how to make a judgment on who is the better player between Enzo Fernandez and, sure. and Moises Caicedo. But given the fact that Potter has worked with Caicedo before at, at Brighton, he knows he, he works in, in his system. If he's a similar price to Enzo Fernandez, I just think when it's such a huge fee, the the risk is a little bit lower with Moises Caicedo. As a short-term solution... I've seen Frank Kessier's name being bandied around, and, and I think he would surely be a good signing. So Barcelona are reportedly willing to sell him for just 25 million euros. He doesn't have the, the sharpness of someone like Caicedo, and he certainly doesn't have the goal threat of Enzo Fernandez. But he is a box-to-box midfielder who has quality on both sides of the ball, and I think he would improve that Chelsea midfield for a relatively... Yeah. Modest fee. They could sign Kessie in this window and still go out and get their big name midfielder in the summer, whether that's Enzo Fernandez or, or Caicedo. Yeah. And he's also a good age in that he's ready to perform at a high level. He's not one for the future. And I feel like people have forgotten how good Kessie was at AC Milan. I know he's not featured at all for Barcelona or barely at, at, at all for Barcelona this season, but there, there are. Not every Chelsea target needs to be a 100 million euro break the bank superstar. Yeah. There are some some sensible options out there for them. And I, I'm just not prepared. Maybe this is just me not having seen quite enough of Moises Caicedo, but I feel like I've watched a decent amount of him. I, I just am not prepared to live in a world where Moises Caicedo is the most expensive Premier League, or the most expensive central midfielder of all time. It feels like that is a bridge or two beyond where we are. Enzo Fernandez, I can see it a little bit more. Even even that, even with that one, Graham, you and I both spoke about how silly it seems to us to pay that much money for him. So I, I very much fall into the camp of trying to find a Kessier or something that is a little bit more financially responsible, especially given the question marks around Chelsea's future for the rest of this season, right? Are they going to be able to climb into the top four? It seems doubtful at this point. It seems unlikely the odds are stacked against them. So finding someone like Kessier or maybe there's another creative loan move or another low uh, money move they could do to get themselves a little bit closer and give themselves a shot at getting that, but not having to spend, you know, millions and millions and millions of pounds along the way. That feels like a smart move to me. Indeed. And talking of smart moves, Taylor, Noni Madweke coming in from PSV, a wide attacking midfielder uh, for around <laughs> 30 million for Chelsea as well. I mean, cool. I mean, that's what they needed for sure. That should solve all the problems uh, through through the center midfield as a striker in their in their center back positions. They're good now because they've got another right footed left winger or left footed right winger. I forget which one he is. Uh, but thirty point seven million pounds feels like a bargain for them, uh, given what the fees they have been uh, spending. And for an English player who then satisfies the homegrown homegrown requirement, I doubt that's a thing they were worried about, but still it does. Uh, and he's and he's established at this point, 51 appearances for PSV. And I learned rejected Manchester United to make that move to PSV, which makes me like him more strangely, just because that seems like it would have been a bad move for him to go to United at this point where they have been. I don't know how many regular games he would have gotten I think he would have been, then been loaned out and probably found himself in some of that obscurity so I appreciate that he goes to the, to the Netherlands establishes himself for a big club but then I do wonder about this move to Chelsea I'm sure the payday will be good I'm sure there will be opportunities for him but again we just have so many winger options at Chelsea right now uh, I, I'm assuming that continues to mean that we will see a clear out in this summer lots of rumors about what will happen with Christian Pulisic uh, I think Hakim Ziyech also probably likely to move but it still just seems 
like when that when there were rumors of that one, I thought like, well, oh, that was like a rumor before they ended up getting some of the people they got, and then nope, they went <laughs> went ahead and signed him on a permanent too. You know how you can set up your Amazon account to buy <laughs> yes. things periodically. Yes. You'll it'll, it'll order diapers after a month. I think yep. Chelsea just have that on every wide attacker priced between thirty and sixty million euros I'm- below the age of twenty three. I'm a big fan of of all of our theories about what Chelsea are doing. So there's the setting it to Amazon auto purchase. That's how they're buying wingers. Then there's their buying players uh, or agreeing to the pre-contract agreement and then forgetting about it and then signing players to that position and then realizing (laughs) what they've done. I don't know what else they're going to do, but they've got some interesting acquisition policies is all I'm saying. They have a big bowl of spaghetti. They've got the names of wide attacking players written on strands of spaghetti. They throw them at the wall, and you know how it goes. That's the that's the main technique, right? I mean, if so, it's working. But they have overcooked the winger noodles and undercooked the central midfield noodles. Is all oh, I'm saying. Excellent extension of the analogy there, Tater. Classic I try, stuff. I try, let's I try. take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about Weston McKenney, Harry Kane, and much, much more. Back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We're talking transfers. Now, Graham, with Juventus, the way they are, uh, lots of their <laughs> players seem to be, that was legally as far as I was willing to go at this point, um, they, uh, they, a lot of their players seem to be um, up, for, up for grabs, so to speak. Weston McKenney has been rumoured with a few Premier League clubs. Indeed, he has. So he has been linked just in the last few days, really, most strongly with Leeds United. So Fabrizio Romano has been reporting on, on this transfer the last couple of days. He's reporting that Wesson McKenney is keen on a move to Leeds United. But another club that has been linked, not as strongly, but nonetheless, there seems to be an interest, is Arsenal. Of course, top of the Premier League. At the moment, I read that Wes McKinney's agent is in London right now. That very much says to me that Wes McKinney is getting a move in this transfer window. It's just not entirely clear to which club. I'm not... This is where I pour some cold water on on this, because I do want to see Wes McKinney in, in the Premier League. But I'm not convinced that Arsenal and Leeds are good fits for him, just in terms of how they set up. Both teams tend to set up in a 4-2-3-1. And yes, McKenney can play in a number of different positions in that formation, but none of them really make the best use of, of his skill set. And I, and I just don't fully trust that McKenney can play as one half of a double pivot. And then the question becomes, well, where, where can he play? Because he's not a winger. He could play in behind a central striker, but that's a, you know, Arsenal and Leeds use very different players in that role to Wesson McKenney. And I could envisage Marsh shifting to a three man midfield and using Mark Rocca or uh, Brendan Aronson and uh, Tyler Adams alongside McKenney and then having Sinistera on the right, Yonto on the left, and Rodrigo through the middle. That's, that's a decent team using McKenney's late runs into the box to add that chaos factor. With Arsenal, though, I, 
I kind of struggle to envisage where he fits in beyond just being a, a depth option who gets some some game time off the bench and in cup matches. However, just one final point. I'm going to completely contradict myself here because even though I don't think Arsenal is a particularly good fit for McKenney, if that option is there, yeah, he should go to take Arsenal. It. And I wouldn't have said that before the World Cup where... I would have argued he just needed to play. But the World Cup is out of the way. The next one is three years away. Try your luck at a big, successful club like Arsenal and see what happens. See what Mikel Arteta develops out of you and changes your game. Maybe the player that he is when he arrives at Arsenal is different a year later when Mikel Arteta's had, had, a, had a shot of coaching him. And if it doesn't work out, I bet that Leeds United move or something similar is still there in, in 18 months' time. So, yeah, go for Arsenal. As yeah. I say, not the best of fits, but just go for it. I actually, I think the fit at Arsenal is good. I don't think the minutes are there at Arsenal right now. McKenney would be a depth signing for them. He wouldn't be a starter over Granite Xhaka. He wouldn't be a starter over Thomas Partey in that midfield. He would be a rotation piece. Ultimately, though, I think you take that because of where Arsenal are right now on the table and the opportunities that could provide you next season with Champions League and in other competitions. You would play. I'm confident Weston McKennie would play. Graham, I'm curious, why do you think he's not a fit? I, I, I pictured him in the Granite Xhaka role, not as a starter over him, but yep. it's a 4-2-3-1 nominally, but really Xhaka steps forward into that attacking midfield line mm-hmm. almost next to Odegaard in possession, and it, it becomes more of a flat line of four underneath what is what is now Eddie and Ketia? What before was Gabriel Jesus? I think that that role is like kind of a hybrid double pivot, almost a, a hybrid dual eight role. And I think Weston McKenney would would work in that rather well. So there are two concerns that I have with that. So I agree, going forward, he he could he could work for Arsenal in that role. But we spoke about this on was it the weekend review? The amount of uh, pitch that Xhaka and Thomas Partey are, are, or it was it was Xhaka and Odegaard we spoke about the the amount of pitch that they're covering for Arsenal this season. I'm not convinced Wes McKenney can do that to the same the same extent. Hmm. And then just defensive instincts, I guess. I'm not convinced that McKenney has that to the same level. Certainly of Thomas Partey, but e- equally of of Granite Xhaka as well. So as a depth option, yeah, he probably gives you some t- tactical flexibility. But if we're talking about Wes McKenney ultimately ending up as a key player for Arsenal yeah. in this shape, in this team, I, I just don't really know how, how he does it. Yeah, if, if Weston McKenney can't cover as much ground as a 30-year-old Granite Xhaka, I think he might be doing the wrong <laughs> doing the wrong thing with his life. But I, I take your point, Graham. There are, it's not like it would be a seamless fit. I would like that move. I think it could be fun to see Weston McKenney really play a role in Arsenal winning the title and be those depth signings that I've called out for Arsenal to make that I think they will make. They've moved, they've made a move, what, Taylor for a defender already in this window, mm-hmm. I believe a, a centre-back they've signed. I yeah. I don't like the Leeds move for Weston McKinney either. Maybe I'm just getting scared about too many Americans being on a club that could get relegated <laughs> and, and sort of what that means. I also just don't think the style is great for McKinney. I think it's a little reductive for a player like him who can do so many different fun things, and I, I just don't think we really get to see that at Leeds. So I I prefer not Leeds. If if there's going to be another Premier League club, I know Aston Villa has been linked with Weston McKinney. That one I, I would quite like. If it's not Arsenal, I think that one would make a lot of sense. I just still think it's wild. Guys that are a relegation battling Premier League club like Leeds can go out there and reasonably linked be linked to a Juventus player. And I know all the things that are going on with Juventus right now, Ryan alluded to them strongly earlier. Hmm. That That for me, though, still even with the circumstances around this potential move, does say a lot about how much soccer is changing and how much about really how Premier League, the Premier League is becoming the European Super League just in a weird roundabout kind of they've, way. Uh, they've got that 49ers money, Joe. That's, what That's right. All about. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Joe, every every time I read about like a mid-table Bundesliga club smashing their club record transfer to sign an 18 million, yeah, it's like 18 million euro player. It's like, wow. All right. I see how things are. Uh, I, I agree with basically everything that's been said. The only thing I would add aside from that it seems at this point like Leeds is the favorite for him. Who knows if that means that will actually happen, but that seems to be the way things are trending online. Uh, but I would like to see him at Arsenal. Uh, for all the reasons already said, but specifically because I, I think it would be good for him to be coached by Mikel Arteta. Uh, Weston McKinney has, has, I think in my mind, always been a little bit of a loose player, um, works very hard, seems to be a player that wherever he goes, coaches like him, teammates like him, he gets minutes, he seems to be a reliable person for his manager. But at the same time, and not just like the uh, breaking COVID protocols, but th- there's just a, a slight lack of discipline at times to his game. And I think he can be caught out. I think he can be heavy in the touch on occasion. And, and that just seems like a thing that Mikel Arteta will not tolerate. And I think to play for Arsenal under Arteta, you have to buy in. You have to do as you're instructed. I think it's a pretty intense uh, club to, to play for right now. And I think that's working to their benefit. So I think in that way, we might see... Uh, Arteta kind of pushed McKinney's abilities to that next level. Whereas I agree with Joe at Leeds, I think he would probably flourish in different ways, but I don't know if it would make him like technically a better player. It would be fun to just have them be Leeds America or whatever their uh, portmanteau needs to be because they are trending in that direction for sure. <laughs> That's a very good point about uh, McKinney and maybe his, his perceived looseness. After all, you know, Granite Xhaka is incredibly well disciplined and he fits in <laughs> as well. well. But I mean, there we, we saw Arteta physically pulling Granite Xhaka <laughs> away. That's the type of manager Weston McKinney needs. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, uh, Joe mentioned uh, the centre-back who's come yeah. in. I think if you watch the Man United-Arsenal game, the camera occasionally cut to him in the stands with his partner. Jakob Kivior, I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, mm-hmm. uh, has come in from Spezia. That feels so, like a, a Serie A move that Arsenal jumped in on. That That's a like a Juve signing a Spezia defender and then loading him back and then eventually playing him two seasons later. This seems like a pretty smart move for Arsenal. Uh, it does seem like he will be a depth option. I think that's what Arteta referred to him as. But 22-year-old center back, nine caps for the Polish national team, played in every single one of their games at the World Cup. I do wonder if maybe that's a player that they saw a little bit of at the World Cup and thought, like, yeah, that'll do yeah. the job. So in he goes. That seems like smart business to me. There, there's a I follow up. A Polish football expert, I think his name is Christopher Leish, and he was saying not to Taylor. I know nothing about him, mm-hmm. right? But he was saying he's useless, and I'm surprised Arsenal Ooh. have signed him. So I will watch that one with intrigue because, as I say, I know nothing about him. I can't really remember him at the World Cup, so I want to see whether he's good or bad. <laughs> we we shall see. But one fantastic nugget, Taylor. His partner, Claudia Kowalczyk, um, she has a trophy of her own. Would you like to know what uh, prize she has won? Uh, uh, the Oxford Prize for Mathematics. I'm going to assume Miss Universe? No, very close to Oxford Prize for Mathematics. Hey. Uh, in Germany, she was the 2017 Queen of Twerking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, you were the runner-up for that one, right? Yeah, 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 I was robbed. I mean, sure, that I was if robbed. any of us was was in that contest, it was King Peach himself. <laughs> You've met your queen, it's Claudia Kowalczyk, Taylor. Here we go. Oh man, that's that's a title you want to bring home to mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A lot of talent in that relationship. We shall see how. Maybe that one you do. I don't know. Maybe that is a thing to be proud of. Maybe that is. Uh, uh, yeah. Who knows? Either way, yeah. uh, Kivior having himself a good old time moving to Arsenal. Uh, and then maybe he'll be shambles and Graham will be proven right. It'll be wonderful. Moving to Arsenal. Apt.
as well. <laughs> oh, that was why. That was why it happened. There we go. So the stars are aligning. Are the stars aligning for Harry Kane, Graham? It seems every window or so he's linked somewhere, whether it's yeah. Bayern Munich or usually Man United. Are we past this now? Is this still a thing? Oh, it's very much still a thing. So this story emerged towards the end of last week. Apparently, Manchester United are weighing up a summer offer for Harry Kane, as they have been every year for the past five years, it seems. Uh, Eric Ten Hag obviously has pretty much admitted that United are in the market for a new striker, and Harry Kane is one of the best strikers around. So it wouldn't be surprising if United are looking at him. But I'm calling this agent talk. I don't doubt that United have some sort of interest in Kane. He's probably on some sort of shortlist, but this is surely Harry Kane's agent brother playing up that interest ahead of talks over a new Tottenham contract. And the very next day after that story broke, oh, Harry Kane is set for talks with Spurs over over a new contract. So I, that's not to say that Harry Kane will necessarily sign that contract. I think he is once again at a career crossroads where he has to decide whether he wants to be a one-club man and be a Spurs legend or if maybe he wants to go and try and do a Robin Van Persie and win a Premier League title at, at another club. But this is certainly good leverage for him to get the best possible offer from Spurs. I, I love that his... Sorry, Taylor. I just going to say yeah. I love that his brother is his agent. I really appreciate he keeps it in the family. But also, that's a quality position for his brother. One client. Love it. <laughs> yeah, the cushiest job in the world. Yeah, must be great. Must be great. Sorry, Taylor. Is it, isn't Gary Neville's dad his agent? Neville Neville? There's Neville, a lot of, Neville. There's a lot of dad agents out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think Neymar. he's done a slightly better yeah. job than Neymar's dad, yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of clubs <coughs> that could maybe use a replacement at, at Striker, uh, especially right now, how how... How big of riots would there be if Harry Kane left Tottenham and went to Arsenal? Saul Campbell level riots, I would yeah. suggest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how well that would be received. So instead of talking about that, can we go back to talking about how Ryan found out that she Testing. was the queen of twerking? Because now I'm wondering, Ryan, like, did you see that published elsewhere or, or did you do some Googling? Ryan follows her on Instagram. No, I was the 2018 Testing, queen one, two, of twerking. So I, I you succeeded just the title over? Yeah. No, I literally just Googled his name. It was one of the first news stories that came up, if I'm there honest. There we go. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think Harry Kane is just going to be constantly linked with a move away and then will end up playing for Tottenham until he's 58 years old. Mm. Well, famously pictured in an Arsenal shirt as a youth, there are those uh, pictures out there. So maybe mm. would be well, it would be well received. Who are we he's kidding? One of our own, indeed. indeed. Joe, I'm interested on, in your thoughts on whether he's a good fit for Manchester United tactically. I mean, obviously he makes them better because he's Harry Kane and he's a world class player. But in terms of being the exact profile that Ten Hag wants, does it work for United? Uh, I, th- I think it works, but maybe not in the the classic Eric Ten Hag kind of way. Now, I, I think we get a little mixed up on Eric Ten Hag because he has used a lot of different profiles up top. He's used players at Ajax that drop in and are, are maybe less traditional number nines. He's also used players like Sebastian Haller who get in the box and are more traditional penalty box poacher kind of strikers. So I, I'm not really sure that I have a clear idea of what Eric Ten Hag wants to do. I will say that Harry Kane is a departure from the from really the number nines we've seen this season from Manchester United. Certainly the ones in the squad right now with Martial who doesn't move Really, all that well, and I'm I'm not sure brings a ton of value to the squad at this point. And then Vout Veghorst, who is much more of an aerial threat, someone you can play into and play off of, but not really play through. Harry Kane's a guy you can play through. So yeah, I I, I would like this move from Manchester United. I don't think he should be their number one target. I am still very tunnel vision toward Victor Osimhen, 
over at Napoli. I think he's younger, has a little bit more upside right now. And he sort of still lets Bruno be the primary playmaker. And Harry Kane comes into the squad that, that gets a little bit blurry. But yeah, I think if the opportunity presented itself to get Harry Kane on a, a modest deal, in, in a modest deal, yeah, I think most teams in the world take that opportunity. Mm. He might he might keep Vekost out of the team as well. That would be a concern. Crazy. Thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. So in it. terms of people who've been pictured wearing Arsenal shirts, we now have Harry Kane, Osama bin Laden, and I believe Donald Trump has an Arsenal shirt. It, it's an interesting uh, assortment of people. Yeah, Bat Baron is an Arsenal fan, I believe. Yeah, not not, not a long, proud history there. I, I I think I think so. Harry Kane for that reason. Uh, yeah, stay stay with Spurs. Victor Osimhen go to Manchester United. They, the world will be fine. <laughs> I definitely think Arsenal have the most celebrity fans. So Robert yeah. Patterson, Idris El Idris Elba, Colin Firth, the Queen. Uh, I believe I, I believe I saw the Queen was an Arsenal fan. Who knows what to make of that one? Sure. Yeah. Not let's, <laughs> what, why not? Can anyone explain why Prince William is an Aston Villa fan? If the Queen was an Ar- was an Arsenal fan. Prince William being an Aston Villa fan feels weird. One of my favourite things, public figures saying they support a team, one of my favourite thing, things was David Cameron, yeah. who for years had said, Ryan, which way round was it? Was it? Did he say he was a West Ham fan or an Aston Villa fan? One of the two, he said for years he was an Aston Villa fan. Then in the House of Commons one day, he forgot which team he had uh, said he was a fan of and said the other one, the other Claret and, and Blue team. Yeah, He, he just he, knew the He's colors. not a football fan. Yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not our finest. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, he also meant Burnley the whole time. It was the other Clarendon Blue team. <laughs> yeah, he's like Danny Ings, just plays for. He's a fan of all the Clarendon Blue yeah. teams. Danny Ings just that, plays for all it. the Clarendon Blue teams. Indeed, Danny Ings on the move once again this window. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, before we take a break, why don't we talk about Arno Danjuma, who Taylor appeared to go to Everton, put mm-hmm. his thumbs up, then maybe opened up Google, read a bit yeah. about Everton, and then drove down the highway to London. Yeah, walked past the team bus that had a big sign in the window that said, we'll be sold for parts, and thought, you know what, maybe maybe this isn't where I want to be. I can't really fault him, but it, it does sound like the Everton uh, decision makers were not expecting that one. And the response from Everton supporters that I have seen is a little bit anger, mostly just like, yep, that feels about right for the way things are going. A lot of people sort of, I saw a lot of Newcastle fans trying to console Everton fans online about like, we know how it feels, we've been there too, it's not a good feeling. Uh, And there does seem to be a feeling of just, uh, we're going to switch off for a little while because now there's reports that some of their key players are sitting out of training, hoping to kind of force moves through. Does not seem to be good times at Everton. And I'm guessing Danjuma maybe picked up on that. Maybe his agent had some words with some other agents and just thought, uh, you know, th- there's like uncertainty about the coach, uncertainty about the direction of the club, who will who will buy them if they go up for sale. So why don't I move to Tottenham, where none of those things are issues at all, mm. and it's all really great. Yeah. Danjuma turned up to Finch Farm, which is Ever- Everton's uh, training ground. It was just a scene of looting, just players <laughs> taking stuff. <laughs> Anthony Gordon walking past him with a microwave yeah. going, I think yeah. you'll find I brought this with me. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> some of Dele Alli's beans in it. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The remnants. <laughs> um, Dibs on Deli Ali's Beans is my, my fantasy football team name next oh, year, yeah. by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quality name. Uh, Danjuma facts. Joe, do we have any Danjuma facts? Um, are you looking for, like, whether he was the, the prince of twerking at some point in the past, or are you looking for yes, more, like, yes, scattered? <laughs> he was the crown okay. prince, I believe. <laughs> right. My mistake. <laughs> uh, so, Dutch, 25 years old, aggressive, likes to dribble a lot, can play as a winger, can play as a second forward, breaking you know out in transition. Had 16 goals last season for Villarreal. 
and then 15 goals for Bournemouth the year before that in the championship. So he's had a decent scoring record at his last two stops in, in the last two seasons. I, I do think he could help Tottenham. I envision him sort of in the Youngmin Son role if Son isn't playing. Seems to have roughly similar profiles. I also could see him playing in a front three with Harry Kane as the nine, Son on the left, and then or, or on the right, doesn't really matter, and then Danjuma on, on, in the other spot in that front three. I think the signing makes Tottenham better. I've generally been underwhelmed by a lot of their attacking moves recently. Danjuma is a player who caught my eye some last year in the Champions League when VRL were making their really fun, unexpected run. So I like him as a player. I don't think this fixes Tottenham, but I, I do think they get a little bit better by getting pen to paper on this one. So, so Graham, he's a bit of a depth depth signing, surely. Yeah, and and that's maybe the slightly confusing thing is that it seems like Spurs in the last couple of windows have been very focused on finding attacking depth, which is a good thing, as Joe mentions. Dan Juma can come in and deputise for for Son Min, but it feels like the rest of the team kind of needs a little bit of a little bit of attention before you get to that stage. I was just reading before we started recording that it seems like there's been a breakthrough in negotiations with Pedro Porro who is a, a right-back. Spurs desperately needs an upgrade on on certainly on Matt Doherty at, at right-back. So maybe there's a deal happening and, and we'll be closed there soon enough. That would be a good thing. I still think they need a, a central midfielder, a creative central midfielder. There doesn't really seem to be any chat about one being signed in this window. I would have thought that'd be a priority given how things have gone for them so far. So yeah, Dan Juma is a good signing. It just it, it wouldn't be top of my list of priorities. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, a little bit more Everton chat uh, and much, much more besides back shortly. Hey, folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early. There are teams that will leave that business very late and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willingly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Anthony Gordon, Graham, potentially leaving the 28 days later scene at Finch Farm, <laughs> it seems. Maybe on his way to Newcastle United. <laughs> Yeah, so this this is a transfer story that has ramped up pretty quickly the, the last couple of days. It seemed to be in the news for the first time only a few days ago. But now Newcastle are in talks with Everton and Gordon has missed training the last two days, which is usually an indicator that a, a deal is close or he's just stripped Finch Farm for all the parts that he can mm-hmm. and he sees no point in returning. I, I think this transfer could demonstrate the difference in how Newcastle are being run, run and how Everton are being run. So Everton rejected £60 million for Anthony Gordon in the summer from Chelsea. There was a suggestion they could have pushed that price up to £70 million, which would have been a nuts price for, for, for that player. Now the demand isn't quite so high. Chelsea aren't willing to pay that amount. Newcastle, it seems, aren't willing to pay that amount. And they've spotted an opportunity to sign him for much less, and it seems like they're going to take it. And I think Anthony Gordon, he gives Newcastle some much-needed depth in the attacking areas where, yes, they have Alan maximin but he is very injury-prone, and it seems like, actually, he he could be on his way out of Newcastle in, in, in this window. The The problem with Chelsea going for Gordon wasn't, wasn't that he's a he's a bad player it was always the price so if Newcastle can get him for much much less I've seen reports of between 30 and 40 million which I I still think is rather a lot for Anthony Gordon but nonetheless it is is, it's certainly a lower fee than it was in the summer I think there's a chance this becomes a smart signing for Newcastle if they get the right price point not a lot of shin guard for that money Graham no (laughs) cool Um, (laughs) Taylor uh, Newcastle (laughs) With their riches, I would expect them to have done a bit more business this season, particularly maybe in this window. Do we expect any uh, any big moves? No. No, I've got more than that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, no, I mean, I think I think Newcastle are being smart, as we've talked about previously. I think they're they're keeping their powder dry. I think there's probably an awareness that uh, people know that they are challenging for top four. People know that they have all the money. People know it's January window. So that right there, I think, is like a 40 million pound tax immediately. So a 10 million pound player becomes 50 million. Uh, so I think short of absolutely needing depth, if somebody gets injured, I don't know, this weekend, maybe they're going to go for for somebody. But for now, it does seem like Newcastle are sort of content with where they are uh, which does seem like then uh, tomorrow they're going to announce a hundred million pound signing to prove me wrong. Uh, but but I think that they're they're kind of holding fast. I think they're maybe ahead of where they expected to be in their project, and so I, I won't be surprised if they do fade a little bit as the season goes on. Uh, and m- maybe m- they miss out on top four. Maybe they're in the Europa League. But then in the summer, if they uh, maybe strongly reinforce in a few areas. But right now, I think with so many clubs with so much money splashing cash all over the place. I think automatically you're going to be pulled into a bidding war. Automatically, Chelsea will be linked with the player you're trying to sign, and now that transfer fee goes up another $20 So I think in some ways Newcastle smart to kind of uh, hold things as they are. 
Yeah, real model of restraint there. Quite impressive in many ways. I, I, let's not say things. Let's not say things like that. I mean, we have to give props to the fact they're doing quite well in the league and haven't um, this is exactly true. spent Chelsea money to do so. This right? is true. This is true. This is fair. Yeah. Regardless, more long staffs. Get all the long staff family <laughs> signed, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Let's indeed. Uh, a lot of focus on this show, Joe, on uh, uh, Premier League signings. A quick jaunt to the continent. Conrad Lima has become the latest person to help weaken. By Munich's um, <laughs> opponents by signing a contract with them. Yeah, just can we just co- whoever's editing? Can we just copy paste everything I said about the Jan Summer move on Monday into nice. here? Like just after Ryan says that that prompt, it, it's the exact same situation, right? Bayern Munich don't necessarily need central midfield depth in the way they need a goalkeeper right now, but it is Bayern Munich continuing to be the strongest team in the Bundesliga by weakening the teams around them. It's a pre-contract, according to Kicker. It's been reported not official yet, but it it seems like this is happening. Konrad Leimer, a place for RB Leipzig, has signed with Bayern Munich and will become a Bayern player as of July 1st. So it's happening. Leipzig apparently knew there was a chance they'd lose him in the summer, but wanted to keep him long enough so that they could try to deal with all the different competitions that they're in this year. Whether that's worth it or not, I, I really don't know. I kind of doubt it. Might have been better to get a few million in that process, but it gives Bayern Munich good depth in central midfield, and especially more of the defensive-minded central midfielders. Uh, also, just the most Bayern Munich move ever. Getting business done quietly while Chelsea are bit up by every other team in the world and getting a very good player who's going to give you depth for the next season in your Champions League run, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, he, he can also play it right back, and I imagine that versatility is, is something that Nagelsmann likes. I, I think he's a great player, Conrad Leimer. I'm just disappointed that the rest of the Bundesliga can never have nice things. Yeah, Cry for the rest of the Bundesliga. Bit of a shame. Uh, also quite rare for a German team to do big January business, or I suppose technically this isn't January business, so to speak, but... Do, and do you know what I don't understand? Either. Let's going going back to the Jan Sommer transfer. Jan Sommer was linked to Manchester United last summer, and apparently I went back and found those reports, and it was twenty, thirty million euros. United weren't willing to pay thirty million euros for Jan Sommer, and then Bayern Munich come in this month. He's gone to Bayern Munich for eight million euros. It's like the opposite of how every other league operates, where if it's a direct rival, you bump the price up. The Bundesliga drops the price for Bayern Munich. I just, I just don't understand that Jan Sommer deal made me so angry. The only, Graham, the only thing I can think of is that there's less time on his contract, Jan Sommer. So that that does. I mean, I don't know. I got, I got nothing. I, I thought that was something, <laughs> and now I'm realizing it's nothing. I got nothing for you, Graham. All right, let's open the floor. Any other transfers we want to bring up on this show? Taylor, how about um, Malagusto? Can you tell me anything? I have no idea if I'm saying his name correctly, but uh, from from Leon, right back from Leon, um, who's been linked with. Chelsea mm-hmm. uh, and Man United, among a few others. Anything on him? Uh, I'll say that I, I, you might be right in your pronunciation. I like Malo Justo because I feel like that's just more fun to say. Nice. Uh, what I can tell you about him is that he is the young player I sign in every FIFA career mode session because <laughs> you can get him for cheap and he's got a ton of potential. Uh, but he, he's, he's, he's pretty quick. Uh, he's good on the attacking side of things. Uh, plenty solid on the defensive side. Uh, I have questions about the physicality of the Premier League uh, and, and making that jump. But I think that's a question we're always going to have when young defenders move from the continent to England, uh, but I think he would make both of those sides better, and I think would definitely fill an area of need because I think he can be a wing back if required for Graham Potter. I think more comfortable playing in a back four, but could do either one. Uh, and I think it would also make Manchester United uh, better. I would prefer to see him at United for obvious reasons. Indeed, uh, Graham. Finish up any any teams you think need to get some business done quite desperately. 
So Arsenal are in the market for a right back as well. They're they're targeting a young uh, Real Real Valladolid right back called Ivan Fresneda. He is a player that I have I've only watched him a few times, but I can definitely see why Arsenal want him. He's he's very much in the mould of what Arteta likes from his fullbacks, which makes him very different to someone like Mayo Mayo Gusto, who is very much a, a modern attack minded fullback. And yes, Fresneda can get up and down that right side, but he's more about passing the ball. He's a good ball carrier. He can cut into midfield. So he he very much does a lot of the things that Ben White and Tommy Asu have, have done for Arsenal this season. Um, so it might not be someone who can come in and make an immediate impact, but I think he's a, a good bet for the future. And I, as I say, I have, I've, I've liked what I've seen of him so far, even though I've only seen him a couple of times. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Joe, any more for this show? Are you excited about deadline day? You're going to be watching it up until midnight UK time. Uh, uh, that uh, midnight UK time I can do actually because because the time difference. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I actually am excited. I I think one angle that we've talked about on this show, but that I haven't thought about as much really until the Weston McKenney stuff and and the Christian Pulisic stuff was was breaking yesterday. Is this could be an active move for young American players? So Pulisic could go to Milan, which. I'm not, I'm not sure if that deal would be agreed to now while he's injured or if that would be in the summer. It seems like there's momentum for something to happen sooner rather than later. But I've got my eyes on Pulisic. I've got my eyes certainly on McKenney. It, it does, I agree with you, Graham, feel like something's going to get done in this window for him. And then other slightly more more niche ones, but young U.S. Youth National Team center back Josh Winder, who plays in, in the USL, looks like will be maybe moving to Benfica or another club over in Europe potentially in this window for multiple million, which would be a big deal for second division in the United States. That's never happened before. So that's a big one. I mean, there's there's lots of different American angles that I'm excited to watch because, like I said, I haven't really been thinking about that as much, but now it's starting to feel a little bit more real. Wonderful stuff. All right, let's close this one up. Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much for joining us. And I know you've been desperate for me to find out um, Jakob Kivior's partner's Instagram handle. It is hilarious. It is claudia.redheaded underscore babe. It doesn't sound real. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for putting in that, that diligent reporting, Ryan Bailey, willing to dive into the depths yep. of Instagram for this show. We appreciate your service. You're welcome. She is the host of Poland Twerk Champions. She's the queen of Germany Twerk Competition 2017. Lots more besides don't open that feed um, at work, is my advice, listener. Graham, <laughs> thank you very much for your services here. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. Great, chi- great chieftain or the pudding race. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. Oh, hey. <laughs> Joe. the haggis there. <laughs> yeah. Happy, uh, happy Burns Night to you, Joe. I hope you have some haggis or I hope you avoid haggis for the rest of your mortal days. Yeah, I think I'll be doing the second one rather than the first, but yeah, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Wise choice. And listener, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, join us on patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want to continue the conversation in our lively Discord. But for now, bye! bye.